Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCathome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm John. I'm one of the associate pastors here at OCC. And I'm glad, I'm excited to take us into week three of this series called The Quest, Pursuits of a Lifetime. We've been looking at the quest of life using the metaphor that our life, it really is like a quest. And it's guided by a compass. The compass is just like Jack Sparrow's compass in the Pirates of the Caribbean. The compass only points to his heart's desire. So we're taking a look, a deep dive into what does our heart desire and how does that influence our quest? Now, I have a story of a pursuit uh, that I took. I was a a kid. Uh, My family went on a a vacation. We ended up in Yellowstone National Park and camped for several days. And so here's a a little story from, from being a kid in Yellowstone. My mom said, hey, would you go get some firewood, collect a Collect a little bit of firewood for for our campfire tonight. Just head into the forest, stay on the trail, and just go in and come out. Pick up what's on the ground already fallen. And this sounded fun. This was a a fun quest. So I went out. I went into the forest, started picking up wood. I got into, into the forest a little ways, and I saw a perfect little pile of firewood. It had fallen. Um, it was off the path. Uh, but it was, it, it appeared to be easy to go grab it and come back. So I did. I, I left the path, picked up some of that firewood, and I turned around to come back onto the path. Uh, only the path had disappeared. Now it didn't actually disappear. I just couldn't find it. And I spun around, spun around. I kept looking. If you've ever been lost in the forest, you, you may know that feeling. It looks the same whichever direction I turn. And the path had just vanished. Um, eventually I made my way out of the forest. I just picked a direction and went. Um, but as you can imagine, as a young boy, um, I was scared, started to get darker. I thought I kept seeing bears everywhere, but I just, I just, I went and, um, and I'm grateful. I picked a good direction. I found my camp in the end, but here's what happened in that story. I stepped off the right path because I, I wanted to find an easier way to my goal. And the result was I got in a whole lot more trouble than if I had just stayed on the right path and not looked for the easy way. And you see, you and I are, are, are like this. Given the choice, people prefer the easy way in route to their desires. That's just a pretty universal thing. Everything in and around us says, get what you want. Um, and it's deeply wired into us to find the easiest way to get what we want. That just comes naturally to us. But we're gonna, what we're going to look at today is that ease is actually a destructive pattern in our lives. Just like you know, water travels and finds the path of least resistance. And as we do that, um, we can create landslides in our lives causing damage and destruction. We actually think ease is going to make life easier. That just makes sense to us. We think it's actually going to probably get us what we want quicker and therefore we'll have a more fulfilling life. But actually what happens is in the end, we will, we will realize that life was wasted. 
If our quest is characterized by ease, taking the easy way, then we're going to get to the finish line with nothing at all to show for it. We're going to get to the end and, and get to the treasure chest there at the end of our lives, pop the lid and find nothing. Our quest will have been futile. Now, let's look in, into the Bible at a man who had every opportunity in the world, um, but he took the easy path. He followed his heart and sought every comfort in his life. A man named Solomon, um, again, granted more wisdom than anyone ever had in the world up to that point or ever would have. Unfortunately, his quest took him on every twist and turn. He didn't end up finishing well. He took the path of ease and comfort along the way. But fortunately for us, he wrote down all of his findings. He made some conclusions about life for us that we can learn from. And so listen to the, uh, this introduction to Ecclesiastes, kind of like the memoirs of his life. In, in the first chapter, the second verse, Solomon writes, Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. That sort of catches our attention. Uh, we don't want a meaningless life. We're drawn in to find out what happened. Uh, and in chapter 2, he tells us, uh, what he means. He tells us all of the pursuits of his quest. He's, he pursued every kind of pleasure, whether it was laughter, wine, folly, even sexual pursuits. He also told us about his pursuits of building wealth. Uh, at the chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes says he pursued building houses, planting vineyards, having gardens, even parks and fruit trees and herds and flocks. Of course, he had much silver and gold. Um, Solomon also pursued power on his quest. He had slaves and singers and servants. And so here's how, in chapter 2, here's how he summarizes those pursuits for comfort and power. He says in uh, chapter 2, verse 10, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work. And this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, what I toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. You see, the pursuits of man, our desires, they're going to be futile. The word futile means nothing to show for it. They're going to, our, our quest, our, our pursuits are going to leave us nothing to show for the journey of our lives. And so... This message series, it's an attempt to help us avoid getting to the end of our lives and then exclaiming, meaningless. How sad would that be? So I want to highlight today in this message a really critical way to avoid that. Just one way. Gaining the true treasure in life, it's going to require hard work. We can't take the easy path uh, to a meaningful life. It's not going to come from choosing the easy way at each junction it's going to require hard work. And so I'm going to propose two questions. I'm going to pitch these questions uh, to you, and then I'm going to try to attempt to answer them from God's word. So here's the questions. Number one, what's at stake if I live the easy way? What's at stake? The second question I'll, we'll look at is what does it look like to fix uh, my compass? We've been using the idea that our compass is, is pointing to what our heart desires most, just like Jack Sparrow in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. What does it mean to fix my compass, to point away from the easy way to the way of faithfulness? So those are the two questions. 
So let me start with that one, that first one. What's at stake if we choose the easy way? Why should I not choose the easy way? And the main passage from the Bible I want to look at and glean from today is it's one of the parables of Jesus. Um, I imagine many of you have heard this parable before. Um, and a parable is just, it's a story, it's a fictional story that has a, has a lesson to it. Sometimes it has multiple lessons. And so I want to listen to the parable of the talents. Um, Jesus told this story, so let me read it and then we'll summarize a few findings at the end. So here's the parable of the talents. It says again, Jesus says, it, he's referencing the kingdom of God. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To, to one, he gave five talents of money. Now I had to look this up. A talent obviously was a unit of money. Five was a huge sum of money. If I translated the value of one talent into today's economy, one talent would be enough to buy a really nice house in Riverside today. So he gave to one five talents, to another servant two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Now that phrase, each according to his ability, uh, that's an important statement. And in God's kingdom, people are given different abilities. People have different abilities and gifts and resources, and that is actually by design. I'm going to say more about that later. But the parable continues, verse 16. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. The man with two talents uh, gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now notice real quick the reward uh, for those first two servants. Their reward was actually more meaning. Their jobs became, you know, they were given more responsibility. And they were also rewarded with more happiness. Think about that. Their hard work, what they did with, with what they were entrusted with, led to more meaningful and happy lives. Isn't that what we all want? And I'll just sort of spoiler alert, they didn't take the easy way to get more meaning and more happiness in their lives. But let's continue in the parable. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you, you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. I had to look up that phrase, by the way. It's probably not literally the master was stealing from other crops. Uh, what that meant was the master just had a high value for turning every situation into an advantageous one. He wanted to maximize every opportunity. That's what that phrase refers to. So verse 25. This is the servant. So I was afraid. I went out and hid your talent in the ground. 
See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. Some Bible translations use the word slothful. The master said, So you knew that I harvested where I had not sown, and I gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him. Give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So that's the parable. And the question we're asking is, what's at stake if I live the easy way? And I see a couple of things from this parable to answer that question. The first thing is, what's at stake? We may disappoint our boss. The master was not pleased with the lazy servant. Um, It goes without saying, the first two servants worked hard. They even took some risk uh, with what the master had entrusted to them. But this third servant with one talent was lazy. He didn't produce as as much as the other two. So the master wasn't displeased with him because he didn't produce as much. It was because of his laziness that he disappointed the master. So you and I, we don't need to look left and right and see how much others are producing for God's kingdom. We just need to look down. We need to look at what's in our hands And what are we doing with what's been entrusted with us? The measure God is going to use to judge isn't the amount you produce for the kingdom as compared to other people. It's the approach you took with what he entrusted to you. It's clear here that laziness disappointed the boss. And that the risk, the hard work and the risk is what pleased him. So... The question is, what what else is at risk of taking the easy way? Here's another answer I, I propose to you, is that you and I, if we take the easy way in life, we may miss some rewards that come along the way. You know, I have this image of we're questing, and at the end of the quest is a treasure chest. We want to be working hard and filling up that treasure chest with things that matter. But actually... What's at risk if we take the easy way is also that we might miss some treasure along the way. Um, I've observed in my own life and, and being close to others that are working hard to please God is that God allows us to enjoy parts of the quest as we go. We don't just have to wait till the end. And there's a lot of rewards God allows us to enjoy along the way. Occasionally we can feel like, man, we really hit our potential. Maybe we Feel for a moment God has given us a gift, like a spiritual gift or a resource to use, and we did the right thing with it. God gives us a sense of joy when we do that. We can feel like we're hitting a stride on our quest. You see, those servants, if let's presume those the master hired those servants. There was a reason he hired them. (laughs) They had potential. Um, The master entrusted them according to that potential and their abilities. And the first two rose to their potential. They got reward along the way. But the third one did not. You know, the word talent in that parable makes us, we we use the word talent differently. We think of gifting. Um, And so let me define the two. In the parable, it really was uh, meaning money and resource. Um, But in our world, think think about now. God has, has... entrusted you and I with all kinds of things. 
First of all, he made us in his image. But beyond that, he, he gives us gifts. He gives us resources. Um, God gives us uh, even energy and strength to, to get things done in the day. And so he entrusts us with those things. So those are our equivalent talents from the parable. And when we use those talents, when we use those things for his kingdom, when we work hard and, and leverage those things, we can feel fulfillment and meaning and purpose along the way. Again, having meaning in our lives, isn't that a reward as we go down our quests to know we're, we're maximizing our potential, we're leveraging our gifting, and we're contributing to something better than ourselves. Those are like little gold nuggets God allows us to pick up along the way. There's also fruits along the way on our quest. I like thinking of hiking down a trail and picking off delicious fruit as I go. God allows that, and those are fruits of the Spirit. As we walk with God, we get to experience things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. God allows that uh, along the way. We can enjoy those things. Also, think of this. The Bible says how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. God allows goodness and pleasantness. So the context of this message is don't take the easy way. It implies that life is going to have some challenge to it. But, ima- but think of all the good fruit, the good treasure that God lets us enjoy along the way. But contrast that. If you take the way of ease on, down your quest of life, you're going to end up, you, you think you're picking up treasure along the way as you pursue your heart's desire, but you're actually just picking up things that are more like fool's gold than real gold. It's not the real treasure in life. Ease, pleasures, that's not the real stuff that brings meaning and purpose to your life. Remember what Solomon said. After pursuing all those things, he said, Yet when I surveyed all my hands had done, what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. So Solomon and that third servant in the parable of the talents, they missed out on the rewards available to them along the way. So again, let's, let's continue asking this question. Why should I not choose the easy way? I, I gave you two responses from that parable, but I have two other real quick answers from you uh, from other parts of God's word. Um, what's at risk? Why should I not choose the easy way? The third thing is life will actually be harder for the lazy. We think choosing the easy way leads to an easier life. That sort of makes sense to us. But listen to Proverbs fifteen nineteen. It says, The way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. And by the way, guess who God used to pin that proverb in the Bible? It was Solomon, the same man who wrote Ecclesiastes. Even he wasn't able to avoid the trap of pursuing his own comfort and desires, even knowing that. But God says the easy way is actually the hard way. It may not be hard in that immediate moment of gratification, but long term, the path of ease is going to lead to burden and discomfort and misery, even destruction. So the myth that ease will be easy uh, is busted from, from this scripture. So here's one more thought. What's at stake if I live the easy way? And, and the fourth thing is this. We're going to miss what's really important in life. 
You see, our time on earth is short, and actually eternity is at stake. So another way that the easy way can influence our quest is that we set our goal of sailing into the sunset, so to speak. We work hard for 60 years, and then we can take it easy and rest the last 25 or 30 years. And to illustrate this, um, I have a I have a rope, and I saw this from another pastor named Francis Chan. Um, so this is the rope illustration. Let's pretend, I know I'm on your screen and, and you can't see, but this rope is extremely long. In fact, let me just give you a, a little sample. This goes on and on and on. There's still a gigantic pile of it right here. But, but now, I'm, in, I'm here in this room in front of a camera, but just pretend, put on your imagination. Let's pretend this rope goes on for eternity. It goes out of this room, out the door. It goes around the world several times and then just on and on. The rope never ends. Now, I want you to think about that. Just use your imagination. This rope is is a timeline, okay? And it's a timeline of your existence because, as you know, people exist forever. That's what the Bible teaches. So this just goes on. And, And this red part right here symbolizes our time here on earth. So here's where you're born. Uh, here's your time on earth, and then here's where your physical body dies, and then you pass into eternity. What blows me away is that some of us, for some of us, and, and predominant cultural thought is we just really think about this part. Uh, we think about this little red part. We get consumed by this red part. We say, oh man, I can't wait till about right here. I'll work hard and, and save, save, save until we get right here, so then I can really enjoy This last part right there, I'm going to really enjoy that. We get consumed with, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to get to eat well? Am I going to get to do this or that? Once I hit sort of the end and I sail into the sunset. But my question to you is, is what about this? What about the rest of the rope? Remember, this goes on forever and ever. We get so consumed with the little red part to the neglect of the other. And the Bible actually teaches that it's what we do in this life, it's what we do in this little red part that actually has a big determination on the rest of time for us. And let me be clear on something, on that point real quick. The Bible doesn't teach that we need to stack up a bunch of good works and a bunch of good decisions in order to spend eternity with God in heaven. There's actually only one way uh, one and only way to influence where we spend in eternity. And that way is to put your trust in Jesus Christ. It's by his grace that we're saved. It's through faith. And it's not a matter of what we can do. No amount of works can influence that. And praise God for that. Personally, I'm not capable of of doing good enough to get to heaven. We're all going to struggle on our quest. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to choose the easy way sometimes. We're going to choose our desires instead of God at at times. But God is full of grace and mercy and patience. He's full of love. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but for all to come to know him and to spend eternity with him in heaven. So back to this rope, the point I'm making is not that we need to do good works here so that we can spend eternity in heaven with God. The point I'm making with this rope is that God has entrusted us with a few things that we only get one chance with our time on earth. So why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as I can, choosing the easy and comfortable way on my quest? Again, we only get one chance 
here on earth. And it could end at any second. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We get this one chance and then comes eternity. And, and people do stuff to enjoy right now, not even knowing if they have tomorrow. Here on earth, so many people are living for the red part, not thinking about the millions of years after. Not even millions. Eternity afterwards. And it's a crazy deception that we can't get out of our hearts. So you may be asking, if I'm not supposed to take the easy way in life, what am I supposed to do? What does the alternative way look like? In our metaphor for this series, uh, what does it mean to fix my compass, to point away from my desire for ease and towards the way of faithfulness? And so we've looked at a parable from Jesus. We've looked at the words of Solomon. I want to look at some more scripture to answer. What does it look like to fix our compass? Because according to that parable in the talents, Jesus teaches that we need to be good and faithful servants. We're going to focus on that word faith. Don't be lazy, um, but take responsible risk in faith. Solomon in Ecclesiastes, he says, after pursuing every, every comfort in, in the life of ease, here's how the book of Ecclesiastes ends. It says, this is towards the end of, of here's his conclusion. <laughs> he says, now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Fear God, Solomon says. What this means is that we need to take God seriously enough to do what he says. So we, we talk about that definition of fearing God here. So if that's the definition, there's two implications to that. Number one, if I'm going to do what he says, I need to know what he has said. I need to listen to God. I need to read and pay attention to him. And I need to live in a way that's referencing him. The other implication is I need to take action. I need to do what he has told me to do. That verse in Ecclesiastes, it says, keep his commandments. Don't do what the lazy and slothful people do. They're following their hearts. Keep God's commandments. So we don't dodge our responsibilities. If, if God has set responsibilities on your plate before you, uh, don't dodge those. You have a responsibility. I want to I look at another man in Scripture, Paul. He gives us some really good insight. Actually, what it is, it's perspective. Again, how do I live a life? not according to the easy way. Paul is a really good example of this. And, and his statements, I'm not going to add a whole lot of commentary. Let me just read to you what Paul is pleading for Christ followers to do. He says, Therefore, we, don't lose, we do not lose heart. Although outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. One more perspective from Paul. He said, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He's referring to like the goal of life. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining, not choosing the easy path, but straining toward what is ahead. I press on. He doesn't give up. He presses on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now you might be thinking at this point, Sounds good. I want to. I don't want to choose the easy way. I want to choose this biblical perspective. But wait a minute. Is it okay to rest? How should we think about rest? 
Um, of course, it's okay to rest, but I want to give you a critical perspective to keep about rest. I heard this from a mentor of mine. I heard, only take the rest you need in order to get back at it. Jesus knows we need rest. Here's an incredible teaching from him uh, about rest. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is an incredible teaching of Jesus because it really does promise that he'll take care of us when life gets heavy, when we become weary. Jesus knows life is going to be hard. Um, it's also an incredible teaching because Jesus actually affirms that we're here to keep on working in this very same breath. You see, a yoke is a device that linked two animals together for work. So what Jesus is saying is that as you work, I will give you rest. As you serve, as you obey me, I will help you with that burden. So rest serves a purpose. We don't rest for rest's sake. We rest in order to get back at it. That's the perspective to keep. So what is the goal of our quest? And I'm going to submit to you that the goal is that we get to the end of our life here on earth, um, not, re- not retirement, but the very end when we pass in, into eternity and we face God. And then I want to hear these words. Here's my goal. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You've been faithful with that little bit of time I gave you here on earth. You've been faithful with that money that I gave you while you were on earth. Well done, I gave you life and breath. I gave you some time and you didn't squander it on yourself. You didn't take the easy way every t- every, at every junction, at every decision, but you chose to honor me by working hard. Well done, come and share your master's happiness forever. That's, what I, that's my goal, that's what I want to live by. And I don't want to get to the end of my quest fully rested, with with a full wallet and as comfortable as I'll ever be. I hope I get I hope I get to the end of my quest and I look worn down. I hope I have holes in my shoes uh, and calluses on my hands. Yet a spark in my spirit that only God could have sustained me through the whole journey. So what I'm saying is the antidote to taking the easy path is going on the path that has that God has you on now faithfully. If you're going to recalibrate your compass, true north points to faith. Faith is the path forward. Faith will land at full treasure chest at the end of our quest. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews 11:6 says. That's how we can finish our quest well. So, summarizing the whole message in a phrase, it would be this. I must inconvenience myself in order to move God's agenda forward instead of taking the way of convenience in my own agenda. The incredible thing about that statement is that God helps us along the way. This is hard. This is really hard to do. It's hard for me to do. But I'm so comforted that God provides rest. God provides strength. God provides treasures along the way. So when we choose faith, we're actually tapping into the incredible resources that God makes available to us. And I want to finish well. I think you want to finish well, too. So the way of faith is the way to do that. It's not easy, but but it is the way to please God. 
here's a few next steps that I encourage you to think about. Um, I encourage you to take a next step uh, with what something God has maybe spoke to you today. Uh, one way to take a next step is to invest with us here. Here at OCC, we're working hard to please the master. And we have a lot of ways that we would invite you uh, to use your time, your talent, your resources to join us in that effort. Uh, another next step is identify an area where ease has settled into your life. Maybe take an account of uh, recent decisions or, or your recent use of time or money or your talent or your energy. Think about where you may have let ease settle into your life and replace it with something uh, that would honor God. Thanks so much. Let's pray as we close. God, I do pray uh, that you would uh, give us strength and give us joy along the way. Help us to, to set our compass to pleasing you and set our compass to faith as opposed to ease. This is hard to do and, and we desperately need your help. Thank you that you, you put people around us here at the church, uh, that we can do this together. Thank you that you provide uh, help and treasure along the way. So we take you up on all of those promises as we set our hearts to please you. We, we thank you, God, for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.